Last week, we started to talk about this whole issue of regret. And if I can sum up regret in one uh, small sentence, I think it's the, the phrase that, that I came across uh, some time back, that action before thought leads to regret. Thought before action is wisdom. The more I thought about that this week, I thought, when I look back at my life and I reflect on my life, you know, the things that I have the most regret about, I can see the truth in that statement. They were things that had I thought about before I acted. Had I thought about that and the consequence before I did or before I said, I could have saved myself a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of discomfort and a whole lot of regrets. But the truth is this, hindsight is a beautiful thing, isn't it? Don't you wish that we could have hindsight before sight, if there's such a word? Don't you wish that you knew now, you knew then what you knew now, but you could somehow know then what you know now without having to have what happened back then, just having the knowledge of now for back then before then became a late past tense? Wouldn't it be great to live in hindsight in foresight? But it just doesn't happen. It's not the process of life. It's not the way the world uh, functions. But... If I could learn to think before I act, before I say slow myself down, quiet myself, I reckon I could eliminate a lot of the regret out of my life. So last week we started to look at this whole area issue of regret. Pardon me. We started to look at regret and we looked at a few things. We laid a bit of a platform, a bit of groundwork about how, what regret is and, and acknowledging the fact that, yes, we do have regret. It's not sin. Uh, and, and regret is not always revolving around sin. It's not always sin that we regret. Sometimes it's just actions that we did without really thinking about down the track, where would that lead me to? I had a, a, a conversation with a guy this week and we were chatting and, and he, he, he used this beautiful picture. He shared a story of he was sitting down with another person that's going through a similar drama to what he's going through in life. And it's quite a heavy situation. They're both facing a similar problem. And this guy said this to me. He said, he said here's what I did. I, I chatted to that person about this scenario. And I said, you tell me what you're doing now in the midst of that problem. And this person said, well, this is how I'm managing it. This is, how I'm handling it. This is my, what I'm doing and saying. And then he said, well, okay, well, here's, I'm in a similar problem. Here's what I'm doing. And so he shared what he was doing and what he was saying. And then the guy said this, he said, then I turned to the other guy and I said, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to paint me a picture of what my life is going to look like in five years' time based on what I told you that I'm now doing. How do you see my circumstance or situation looking in five years' time as a result of the actions that I'm taking or not taking now, as a result of the words I'm saying or not saying now? And then he said, I'll do the same thing for you. I'm going to paint a picture of what I believe your world's going to look like in five years' time. So then they began to paint this picture for each other. And they both sat there and went, wow. And I thought, when he was sharing it with me, I thought, wow, that's that's maybe a little key as to how can we bring foresight into... Well, how can we make hindsight foresight? By actually painting that picture first and stopping long enough to think and go, well, hang on a second, if I do this... Let me paint myself a picture. If I break off that relationship, if I make that one wrong choice to go down a path with this other woman that's not my wife or not my husband, let me paint myself a picture of what that may look like somewhere down the track. You know, years ago, I went and heard a a, a guy, uh, he's got a big church in WA, I can't remember his name. Um... 
It'll come to me probably about three o'clock this morning, but it's irrelevant. Anyway, I was at a men's seminar and he was preaching to men. And he made this statement. He said, you know, I travel the world and I preach and I'm in these environments and I've got all this stuff going on. And he said, here's something that I do to avoid temptation. He said, I've got a picture. He said, I've painted a picture in my head. And he said, I sit down and I think about the picture and the picture's this. He said, I'm 90 years of age. My wife's 97 or whatever, you know. She looks 97. Um, he only said that because his wife wasn't there. It was a men's conference. What, what happens in the men's conference stays in the men's conference until a preacher like me brings it up in front of everybody and somehow he's, it gets back to him. But anyway, that's why I don't use names. So, I th- so he said, I've got this picture. And he said, I see my wife and we're sitting there at a table. And we're, we're, there's this massive field and there's a big table and I'm there and my wife. And he said, I see my children. And I see my children's partners, their husbands, their wives, and they're there around this big table. And then I see all the grandkids running around and there's 20, 30 grandkids and then there's some great grandkids that have come in and they're all there. And he said, I look at this picture, I have this picture in my head and I look at that picture and then I come back to my, where I am right now and he said, I realise one wrong decision and I could lose that picture. One wrong choice, one wrong decision. Being out there in another country, in a hotel room with nobody around feeling lonely, one wrong decision and I could lose that picture. And I wonder whether in that there's a little bit of a key as to how we can create a world where we have a little bit of hindsight before. Just by painting pictures and thinking ahead about what would be or could be the consequences of these decisions. And when I reflect on my own life and I go, you know what, yeah, I reckon I, reckon I could have saved myself a bit of regret in life had I thought like that instead of just acting out of impulse or emotion, or circumstance, or, or, or whatever it would be, popular opinion or whatever, if I could just stop, have a think about these things before moving forward. Last week we looked at Judas, and Judas is a great example of a guy that had regret. And if you didn't hear that, you can jump on the podcast. The end of Judas' life is a bitter one, a twisted one, a sad story. Judas took his own life because he couldn't resolve the regrets in his life. This week we want to talk a bit more proactively about resolving regrets. How do we cut off the chains? See, regret, regret can be like anchors that hang off the back of us and drag us back in life. How can we cut some of those anchors off? Is it possible to live a life where you never have regret? Personally, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think regret is a part of the journey. It's always going to be there in various ways, shapes and forms. Because it's going to be there, I believe that there's a way that we can healthily deal with Regret. Last week we looked at some of the symptoms, the, the problems regret causes, physical problems, the mental problems. It's attached to so many mental health issues can be traced back to regrets in people's lives and the inability to resolve those regrets. So I want to get a little practical today and look at uh, how can we live a life, how can we resolve some of the regrets that we have. To give us a positive picture of a person who managed to resolve a deep-seated struggle and a failure and a regret, let's have a quick look at Mark chapter 14. Reading from verse 27 to verse 31. I'm going to do the unthinkable. Glasses are on. Yes, I'm in the right one. It is Mark and it is 14. Verse 27 to 31. All of you will desert me, Jesus told them. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. But after I am raised from the dead, I'll go ahead of you to Galilee and I'll meet you there. I'm going to go ahead here. I'm going to meet you there. And Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. No, can't do it. Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Peter, Jesus replied, the truth is, this very night, 
This very night, in a short moment from now, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. No, insisted Peter. What a ballsy guy. No, Jesus, you're actually wrong. Son of God that came to the earth, the prophesied one, the Messiah, the Lord of my life, you're actually wrong on this one. I've got you on this one because you don't know me as well as you think you do. Well, Peter, I think you don't know you as good as you think you do. And we see the story unfold. No, Peter insisted, not even if I have to die with you, I will never, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. Everybody else vowed the same. I will never deny you. Even if I have to die for you, Jesus, I will not deny you. Peter's painting a little bit of a picture about what his future will look like. Peter's basically making a declaration, Jesus, this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be the kind of guy that will never, ever, ever desert you. I'm going to be loyal to you. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to stand by you when everybody else runs away. I'm even going to physically allow my very breath and life to be taken from my body before I will desert you, before I will turn my back, before I will be... The rest of the people might do it. I won't follow popular opinion. This is the kind of person I'm going to be. I'm not going to go along with popular opinion. I'm not going to do what's considered the right thing by everybody else in the world. I've made a stance in my world. This is who I'm going to be. This is the man I'm going to be. I'm going to be the kind of man, Jesus that won't desert you, I'm going to be the kind of man that will physically die for you. This is Peter's declaration to Jesus. I remember when I got saved at 19 years of age and I had an encounter with God and I gave my heart to Jesus. And I remember back then reading the New Testament. I loved the book of Acts. To this day, still one of my favourite books. And I remember reading it and I remember this incredible resolve inside of me. This is the Christian that I'm going to be. This is the Christ follower that I'm going to be. I am committed to this, to the word of God, to fellowship, to prayer. I'm committed to you, Jesus. And I don't care that none of my friends got saved with me. I don't care that none of my friends think that you are the, the Lord. I don't care that my father thinks I've gone mental and wants me to see a psychiatrist. I don't care that I have this promising future in this, that and the other. But I am just going to go hard after you and I don't care about the consequences because I'm not going to be swayed by consequences. I'm just, this is who I'm going to be. And I remember making that declaration. And I remember having that resolve inside. I look back now at 44 years of age and I go, whoops. What's happened? Am I that person? No. <laughs> I remember the day that this, I, I, I remember uh, uh, being on a, on a YWAM base and I remember this woman looking at me one day and just seeing how amazing I was, seeing how attractive I was, the physical prowess of my body, my sporting skills, my just, I remember just feeling this sense from her, I've got to have him, I've got to have him. I remember feeling for a moment, so this is what it feels like to be the man of someone's dreams. I'm there. And I remember, yeah, and then I met Jackie. <laughs> then Jackie noticed me too and knocked her off the perch and took over. As she does, took control, being the woman she is. Drew me in with her tractor beam. And I was powerless to respond. I was in. But I remember the day. We were standing on a mountain. Uh, uh, what's the name of the mountain in Bundaberg? There's only one mountain. 
The hummock, that's right. So there's only one mountain. Anyone ever been to Bundaberg? It's just flat for miles. And then there's this one little bump and they call it the hummock. It's like they couldn't even call it a mountain name. Like, it's big or technically, it's not even big enough. It's just, it literally is just a hump. It should have been called like a yeah, hummock, hump, whatever. Anyway, I remember walking up that mountain one day and we got up the top and my wife turned around and I cracked this little box and said those magic words, will you marry me? And she paused and I freaked out. I thought, what? I was expecting this. Yeah, bring it on. I've been waiting for this. Let life begin. She paused. But it was all good. She then said yes and it was wonderful. And, and we got, but I remember in that moment, I remember even the day we got married. I remember even the morning after when we woke up the next day. I remember these thoughts in me, the same resolve. I know based Based on my experience and my back, I know the kind of husband I want to be. I know the husband I'm going to be. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to love this woman. with. I'm going to lay down my life for her in every area. I don't care. She's going to win every argument. She's going to win, have preference in every situation. Some things I've been successful in. Hey? <laughs> Quiet in the peanut gallery, please. Sometimes being at church, it's like being in the Muppet Show with those two old guys in the balcony. That... Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never. <laughs> we can edit that later, Luke. But I remember that resolve. This is the man I'm going to be. A bit like Peter saying, this is who I'm going to be. Well, this is my resolve. I'm going to be this husband. You know what the truth is? I look back. I'm 44 now and I look back and I go, whoops. If I'm honest, I'm not that man. I remember when we brought Caleb home, our first child, and holding him and looking at him and with his little calipers on his feet because his feet weren't... Six months, he had a metal bar between his legs to keep his legs straight because they, they folded in, you know. It was, must have, you know, it was terrible. We, we got our first kid. But at the same time, it was a blessing because changing a nappy was... I just grabbed the bar and lift him up. And... <laughs> I see all these other parents struggling to get the two feet together. I'm like, no, just grab the bar. Just stick a bar between them and go, bang, huh? Slap a nappy. Easy. Changing a nappy's never been easier. Every child, as a matter of fact, it's a business waiting to happen. Somebody start it. Leg straps from newborns, you just hook it on, you lift them up, you slap a nap. Call it a nappy slap or something, you just slap a nap. I can see the advertising campaigns. You have trouble with the, you know, huh? Try snap a nap. But I remember that moment, and I remember thinking all these things, a bit like Peter declaring to myself and to God, this is the father I'm going to be. At 44 years of age, I look back, my, my young... Caleb is now 19 years of age. I've got a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old, an 11-year-old daughter. And I look back at a lot of things and I go, God, that's the man I wanted to be, the father I wanted to be. Whoops. Something happened. I'm not that person. I wish I was. I'm not that person. We all make declarations about our life, just like Peter did here. This is who I'm going to be. Jesus. And we all know the rest of the story. We all know what unfolded. Jesus knew exactly who Peter was and he tried to let him know. Jesus tried to gently say to Peter, Peter, I know what you're saying. I know that your heart is to die for me. I know what your heart... I, I, I know that. I can see your heart, Peter. But I just want to let you know, along the way, sometimes things don't go exactly as you plan. Sometimes life happens and things unfold. He didn't squash what Peter was saying. He didn't say to Peter, you can't be that person. You'll never be that person. He just said, Peter, yep, it's great that you have that dream and that resolve to be like this, but Peter, I just want to let you know, it won't be smooth sailing because life 
unfolds before your very eyes. Things happen in the world around us. Things happen in us. We respond, we react, we do things. It doesn't disqualify us from being who we want to be. But it can stop us from being who we want to be if we don't learn how to resolve that stuff and go forward. Judas couldn't resolve his own regrets and go forward. Somehow Peter did. We know that because he went on to do amazing things for God, to write a couple of letters in what we call the New Testament and so on. In Mark 14, 72, it says this. It says that this little girl came up to Peter and says to him, you know, uh, you're with him, I can tell by your accent. You're a Southern Galilean. You're one of those hillbilly dudes hanging out with Jesus. And Peter kept denying, denying, denying. And verse 72, immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Suddenly Jesus' words flashed through his mind. What were the words that flashed through his mind? It was Jesus saying, before the rooster crows, you will deny me. In other words, I know what you're saying, but it's not going to unfold that way. You're going to deny me. Jesus' words flashed through his mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me. Three times that you even know me. And he broke down and he wept. I reckon when that rooster crowed and he heard those words, what do you reckon was the first thing that ran through his mind? I wish I didn't do that. I wish I didn't do that. And that's what regret is. It's those moments where time passed and we look back and we go, I wish I didn't do that. Maybe if Peter had a thought first, when Jesus had to come back at him and said, Peter, you're going to deny me. Maybe if he had a thought, he would have gone, well, hang on a second, hang on a second. Jesus, you are coming. You are God after all. History shows me that you know a few things about people got a bit more knowledge than me. If you're saying that about me, maybe maybe you're right. So maybe I need to rephrase, rethink about my commitment or re, re, re-jig what I'm about to say or, or think a bit more harder about what I'm about to do. Be a bit more prepared for this. Because you would have thought that I've said, oh, well, I'll die for you, you'll deny me, I'll die for you, you'll deny me three times. I mean, Jesus is pretty explicit. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to deny me three times. Not once, not twice, three times. And then a rooster's going to crow. Maybe after the first denial, Peter should have gone, oh, hang on a second, I've done it once. I've done, yep, hang on, hang on. Why does that ring a bell? Why is that ringing a bell? That's, hang on, that's right. Jesus, Jesus said, I would deny him. But he said three times, but that's, that's only one. I don't know what the thought process was, you know. He did it the second time, and the third time, and then aristocrats, and he has regret. Peter's thinking to himself, what have I done? You know, Jesus Treated Peter well, he included him in the twelve, he included him in the three, he accepted him warts and all. And in the end, Peter deserted him, denied him and took off. Peter's a great example of another man in the Bible that struggled with regret. But he made it through. So how do we resolve regret? What are some things we can do, practical, tangible things we can do to resolve the regrets of our life? I want to run real quickly through three things that we can do. First thing we need to do is we need to confront today's regrets. Okay? Confront today's regrets. If you have regrets that are within reach that you can do something about, do something about them. There are regrets. You might have said things today. This morning on the way to church, you might have said stuff to your partner, your wife, your children that you wish you hadn't have said. You know, you can undo that stuff. You can confront certain regrets in your world right now. There are maybe things that you have done this week, maybe things you've done at work, things you've done or things you haven't done, commitments you made that you didn't fulfil, whatever. Stuff that's within reach right now, that consequences are not somewhere down the track that hasn't had time to sit 
as a seed and germinate and create more barriers and more problems and deeper consequences the things that are immediate now within your tangible reach of your world that you can undo. Nothing's undoable. Nothing's undoable. Nothing you've done cannot be undone. Sometimes the consequences are too are hard to undo, but there's always something we can do about it. You see, we can do something and regret it. The longer you leave it, the deeper that regret gets. And the longer you leave it, sometimes the harder it is to undo the regret. And so people throw their hands in the air and do nothing about it, and they just compound it because then deep down inside, you're probably now regretting the fact that you didn't deal with the regret. Regretting the fact that you let this thing sit for so long and you did nothing about it. We need to learn to confront the things that happen right now. Luke, 4, Luke 24 and John 20, as soon as Peter heard that from the, 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 the ladies that were at the tomb, as soon as he heard from them that Jesus was risen, first thing he did was the Bible says he ran to the tomb. He wanted to confront that regret straight away. He wanted to go straight back to Jesus and go, you know what, Jesus, I'm glad you're okay. I'm sorry. I'm sure that in his heart he wanted to just resolve this thing. Let's get this out in the open. I blew it. I blew it. I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that and I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done what I did to you, and I'm really, really sorry that I did it. And it's really, really hard to do that sometimes, especially up nice and close. Sometimes we feel like if I just sit on it for a bit longer, it'll get easier. My experience is the longer I sit on it, the harder it gets. I'd rather confront something I've done wrong straight away. Before it's had time to dig its roots in and and people get angry and frustrated and feel the rejection and have time for the devil to get involved as well and go, well, let me really interpret what he meant when he said that. He didn't just mean that. I'll take that to an end. He meant more than just that. He Actually, he was really having a go at this as well. And he's saying, when he said he didn't, you know, you're you're, you're not a good cook for, you know, he was really saying that you're not really attractive either. Not only that, you really, mentally, you got problems. And not only that, nobody likes you, you've got no friends. And before you know it, these simple little things get blown out of proportion bigger and bigger and bigger because right at the start, we didn't confront and go, you know what, hang on. Hang on, I just said something to you. I know it was wrong. We know when stuff's wrong. We know when, we know when we've acted without thinking. We know when something slipped out that we didn't want to slip out or we've done something and as soon as we get that pang of regret, as soon as we realise this action was wrong, this word was wrong, what I did or what I didn't do, I should have done or whatever it is, as soon as we have that realisation, we need to confront those things straight away. Learn to confront those things straight away. Don't give them time to germinate because they become harder and harder to deal with. Here's what we can do to keep short accounts. First of all, think about that moment, rethink about that moment. Ask yourself the question, what should I have done differently? What could I have done differently to get a different outcome? What I said hurt that person. What I said didn't communicate what I meant. What I said crushed them. What could I have said that might have changed that outcome? What could I have done that would have brought a different outcome? What action should I not have taken instead of the one that I did take? Rethink that moment. What could I have done differently? Apologise where necessary. Or apologise where possible. It's so hard sometimes to look somebody in the eye and say, I'm sorry. Here's the thing, especially when it comes to relational issues. We sit there and we replay the moment over in our head. And every time we replay the moment, we have this balance of scale in our head. And we go, well, hang on, 90% was your fault. So why should I have to apologise? Hey, you know what? We talked about this last week. I might have regret about the 90% you did, but I, have re- I might have disappointment about the 90% you did, but I carry regret about the 10 I did. And here's another thing. 
I am 100% responsible for my 10%. Whether it be an action, a word, or whatever, I am 100% responsible for the 10% I contributed to that situation. So take ownership of it. Learn to say those words that are so hard. I'm sorry. I would suggest you don't add. I would suggest you don't add the for the ten percent. You can, but Camo, that's another regret. That's what we're talking about. And then you'll be going, I regret adding that, and then you're back apologising again. But this time, guess what? You're one hundred percent responsible for the ten percent comment. It's a vicious cycle. Start that action now, or stop that thing now. Whatever that regret is, you can start now, you can stop now. I remember reading a story years ago about Keith Green. Who loves Keith Green? I love Keith Green music. You know when he signed his last deal, any of you that have read his story, he signed his last record deal with Sparrow Records. It was a big deal. This is, we're not talking about, a, I, I said I'd take you to lunch and then I, then, then I changed my mind. and I've just got to go and say, look, sorry, I haven't got time, I can't take you to lunch. It's not like that. This is a big deal. He's a record, he's a, he's, a, he's a Christian pop artist, top of the charts. And he signed a deal with Sparrow Records. He said he walked away and straight away in his book he says, I felt like I'd done the wrong thing. I wasn't meant to do that. So straight away he got on the phone, he rang him up and he said, here's the deal. I've made the wrong decision. I feel like I shouldn't have signed that, that, that hundreds of thousands of dollar record contract, whatever it was in the day. I feel like I shouldn't have done that. My action was wrong. I, obviously I didn't think long and hard about that before I did it. I did it. Now I'm thinking about it afterwards. I have regret. And he rang up the, the, the manager of the, the record, com- record label, Sparrow, and he said, look, can, I, can you let me out of this contract? But I understand. I understand, though, that if you decide not to, I'll fulfil it because I've made a commitment. You see, just because we apologise, just because we do our bit, we own our bit, doesn't necessarily mean the consequence will change but we're not running on regret later down the track going, I wish I had have at least tried. What if I, I wish I had have at least gone back and apologised. I, I, I wish I had have at least gone back and said, look, I know I said no to that, but now I want to say yes, is it too late? Bear the consequence, deal with it, but at least there's no regret that you didn't at least pursue it. And anyway, this guy must have been an amazing man because he said, look, if you feel that, that it's not right, he said, I'm not going to hold you to it, and they tore up the contract. Do what you can to deal with the regret in the moment. Confront it, be honest about it, and jump on it really, really quick. Don't give it time to germinate. Don't give it time to become harder and harder to deal with. And be prepared to accept the consequences. People may not respond the way you want to, and you may not get the outcome you desire, but you'll know that you did everything you could to gain the outcome that you desire. Second thing we need to do is we need to learn to release yesterday's regrets. Release yesterday's regrets. This is so hard. This is really hard. There are things that you did that are that far down the track that you feel like you can't do anything about them. You feel like you can't go forward. You feel like you can't change an outcome. You can't bring resolution and there's nothing you can do. Maybe that person has passed away and you can't have that conversation that you so badly wish that you could have had. Maybe that job no longer exists and so you can't go back and say, look, Can I please confront this situation? Can I change that outcome? There are some things that we can't change the outcome from. 
that person maybe has gone on and said yes to somebody else. You're still sitting here. Going, I wish I had asked the question. They couldn't wait forever. Maybe you've gone on to marry. The person's passed away. The job opportunity's not there. Whatever. While we can't change the outcome in these situations, there are still some practical things we can do to loosen the claws of that regret on our life. Here's a, a couple of things we can do. Number one, we can write a letter expressing our thought process at the time and how you feel about the outcome and what you wish that you could have done differently. You can sit down, put your thoughts to a piece of paper, get them out. I wish I hadn't have said this. I wish I hadn't have done this. Here's why I did this. Here's why I said this. In the moment, there's a thought process. You know, you make decisions based on thought processes and they're not always sin. But we make decisions based on things and the way we see the world at the moment. We may see the world different in a year's time, two years, five years, ten years. It's amazing. It's amazing how many funerals we have been to or how many times we've seen it on TV where people say all these amazing, wonderful things about somebody when they've passed away. And somebody will always make the statement, I wish I had said this while they were here. I wish I had said it while they were here. How many people have pain and, 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 and stuff going on inside of them in their emotional world because they look at a scenario like that and go, I, I can't, they're not here anymore. I can't, I wish I didn't have that last argument. I had friends in Bundaberg years ago and uh, they were two really, really good friends and they went out to a party one night and had a fight. An argument. One of the girls jumped in her car and drove back into town. I used to play touch football with these guys. She drove back into town. She was under the influence, hit a curb, rolled the car and ended up in a Harvey Norman car park upside down. The other girl who was a friend, five minutes after the argument, realised, oh, I wish we didn't have that argument. I'm going to go uh, into Marie's place. I'm going to go and say hello to her and, and sort this out straight away. She drove into town. She saw a car upside down. She ran over and realised it was her friend. She sat there and held her friend's hand while she died. Couldn't communicate, couldn't talk to her. I remember being at the funeral. I remember seeing the absolute torment and the frustration and hearing her saying, I wish I could take that back. I wish I didn't have that. I wish I didn't say that. You know? And people feel powerless. They feel like now that I've done it, there's no way out of it. Yeah, scientific research and psychological studies have found that just the very act of writing out your thoughts writing out your feelings and writing out the process as to why you came to those conclusions, just by doing that can go a long way to helping you alleviate and release the pressure valve and get some of that stuff out of you. It's never too late to do something. It's never too late to do something. Will it change the consequence? No. The person may be gone. The job opportunity may be lost. Kids may have grown up and left home. But we can still do something about what we own, which is the regret and the feelings that we have inside and the pressure that that puts upon us and the, that stuff that we live with, those anchors that slow us down and stop us from going forward in life the way that we want to. We can't always change the outcome, but we can do some things. So write a letter. Maybe set up a chair. Here's another thought. Maybe set up a chair and imagine the person sitting across from you. Talk to them. Just you, you in a room. Nobody else has to be there. Put a chair there and go, right, If this, this is what I'd love to say. Get it out. Get it out. Maybe you might want to get a friend or somebody there and say, look, I just want you to sit in that chair. I don't want you to say anything. I don't want you to judge me because I might get messy here. I might, I might swear. I might burst out in a bit of anger. I, I might whatever. But can you just sit there and can you just let me get this out? 
let me get all the stuff out that, that regret clings to, that's, that's killing me, that's eating away at me. Most importantly, bring God into those situations. Bring God into those situations. Pray. Ask God to help you with that. Ask God to help you let go of some of that stuff. Ask God to help you move forward. And then after that process, when we've done this, we've got to make a choice also to let that stuff go. We've got to choose it. If you are looking for reasons to hang on to it, they won't be hard to find, especially past regrets because you've hung on to them for so long. It's almost like a default. It's easy to hang on to that stuff. Once we've, once we've done something, we've written our letter, we've sat down with somebody, we've prayed, we've done that stuff, we've got to make a choice then to go, right, I, I let it go. I let that regret go. Don't give it a foothold on your life. Go easy on yourself. Sometimes we're so hard on ourselves. Learn to forgive yourself. If God can forgive you, who do you think you are that you can hold it against yourself? If God forgives you, who do you think you are that you would hold things against yourself? Remember, you made the decisions that you made based on the knowledge that you had at the time. We're smarter now. We learn. God's more interested in who we are on the inside than what we look like on the outside. And part of the process of these things is it changes us on the inside. God uses these things to mould us and to shape us. To conform us more into his image, which is what he set out to do on the cross. Third and finally, learn to avoid tomorrow's regrets. We can never live a life without regret, but we can certainly learn how to minimise future regrets. How do we do that? Well, start thinking. Start thinking before we act. Start thinking before we speak. In Mark 14, verse 29, Peter made this declaration. He said, you know what, I'll die for you, Jesus. We all know he didn't, he didn't follow through with that thing. But you know what? He eventually did actually die for Jesus. You know, Peter actually was physically crucified. He did become the person he declared himself to be. The journey there just wasn't as smooth as what he thought it was going to be. But in the end, Peter got there. And Peter did physically die for his Lord. Not only did he die, he said, I'm not even worthy enough to die like him. They nailed him to a cross and they put the cross upside down, church history tells us. Because he said, I don't don't even deserve to, to die the same way as my Lord. Put me upside down. So at the end of the day, Peter did become the person he declared he wanted to be. But he had to let go of some stuff and he had to deal with some stuff. He had to confront some stuff on the way to getting there. And you know what? You might not be, I might not be the father I wanted to be, but you know what? It's not too late for me. It's not too late. I can make decisions and choices now. I can think about the processes and I can go forward and be that person. I can be the believer. I can be the cross follower that I set out to be. I can make that decision now. I can think about it before I act. I can think about who that person is. I can think about what it will take to get me there. I can think about what I believe I should be prioritised in my life and what shouldn't be, what I should pick up, what I should put down. I can still be the husband that I want to be. I'm still married. My, my, my life is not over as a husband. I can still be that person. And you can still be the person you want to be. You can still be the father, the husband, the partner, the friend, the employee. You can still be the believer, the Christ follower. You can still be the human, the woman, the man. You can still be that person that you dreamt of being and that you wanted to be. It's not over. 
But part of the process is learning to confront our regrets. It's learning to, to deal with the regrets of the past. And it's also about learning to make correct decisions now to minimise regrets going forward into the future. Learn from past experience. Remember this, you don't learn from experience alone, you learn from evaluated experience. You're not going, don't, don't, don't believe the fallacy that because I know better, I will do better. Just because we know better doesn't mean we will do better. Okay, it's a fallacy. I've made that mistake before. Because I made that mistake before, I know that I won't make it again. Yes, you will. The world is full of people that keep making the same mistakes because they don't evaluate past experiences. Think about what decisions did I make, what process did I go through that got me to this place where I had the regret. Therefore, next time, hopefully, if I learn from that last time, evaluate, think about the process that got me there, I won't make the same mistake again. We can learn to minimise regrets going forward into the future. Mark 16, 7, I'll, I'll close with this. And I love this about Jesus. He's always looking for people. Mark 16, verse 7. Gosh, don't even need glasses with this big screen. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you. What a beautiful, beautiful thing for the Holy Spirit to move upon Mark to write this in his history of Christ. Go and tell his disciples, including Peter. He didn't have to add Peter's name. Peter was one of the disciples. Why did the Holy Spirit want this included? Why did he want Peter's name specifically mentioned? I reckon it's because of this. Because Peter would have been feeling pretty bad about what he'd done. Peter would have probably at that point felt like he didn't deserve even to be as numbered among the twelve. But the Spirit of God wanted us to know that in that moment, even though Jesus had gone through what he had gone through, even though Peter had failed him, even though Peter had let him down, even though Peter had fallen short, the Spirit of God wanted us to know that even in that moment, God had nothing but affection and love for Peter. Go and tell them all he's risen. Make sure especially that you tell Peter because Peter's feeling pretty bad right now about himself. I really want, promise me that, I want you to make sure, tell them all yes, but I, 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 please, whatever you do, make sure that when you tell them Peter's not scratching on a tree or head down or, or he misses this. I don't want Peter to miss this fact. I want you to make sure that Peter, of all of them, make sure that Peter catches what I'm, what I'm saying. Make sure Peter's aware that I forgive him, that I love him, that he's still got a hope, that he's still got a future, that I've never deserted him, I'll never leave him, I'll never forsake him, I'll be with him. Right through to the end of his days. What a beautiful picture. And you may have made mistakes, and you may have done things wrong, and, and you may not have, life might not have panned out the way that you thought it would pan out. But there's no such thing as an over life until life is over. We can still make decisions, we can still make choices, we can still turn around, we can still deal with the past, and we can still be the people that we want to be. We can still be the people that God wants us to be. Amen? Confront current regrets. Deal with past regrets. And avoid future regrets. And God is with us. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. We thank you for your spirit with us, God. We, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you are for us and you're not against us, God. And I pray uh, for each of us in this room, God, that as we go forward into this next week, God, I pray that we would think about again, God, let, let us dream again. Father, let us, let us find those dreams again of who we wanted to be the day we met you. 
when you first touched our heart and we had that picture of who we wanted to be. God, the day we, we, we got married or the day that we had a child or the day we took on that job and we decided I'm going to be the best employee this company's ever seen. Or I started a business and said I'm going to be the best business owner the world's ever seen or I'm going to be the best football player there's ever been. All these dreams and things that we have that along the way the speed bumps of life come in. And we know we've done things wrong and we know we regret things and we wish we could have changed so on. But God, I, I pray that you'd let us revisit those dreams. Let us refocus, God. Let us look back and let us deal with the things in the past that are stopping us get there. Let us deal with the things in the current. Confront with, be strong enough to look them in the eye and to deal with them. And to be smart enough to think about the future. And to paint that picture and to go, if I want to be there, then these are some of the things I need to do. These are the things I need to avoid or start or stop or whatever to get to that place. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, be with us this week. We thank you for your presence with us, God. We thank you for the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. And we thank you for the difference that that has made to our lives. God, be with us as we travel home. Keep us safe. Give us a great week. Father, give us an opportunity this week, I pray, to reach out to somebody that doesn't know you and to share the hope that we have. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, bless you. There's more cake and coffee and tea and jazz up the back. Please don't feel like you've got to run off. Um, we're going to hang around up the front here if anybody like prayer for anything. Uh, we'd love to pray with you this morning. Bless you all. And uh, if you're not in a connect group and you're interested in being in a connect group, please come and see me. And we'll see if we can get you into something.